this series is particularly exciting to me. We're in a series called Abide. And um, David uh, has, has uh, been leading us through it, and I've been following along in the podcasts. Uh, and uh, it's been really exciting. And it's been something that, and abiding in Christ is something that I've been working on intentionally for, for about a year now. Starting in September, I, I, I really started thinking about it and, and trying to work it into the rhythms of my life and, and figuring it out. And, I, I, and I'm going to try to share a bit of my insights on what I've discovered over the experience of a, a year of, of uh, uh, at least almost a school, uh, half a year, I guess, of, uh, of working through what abide means. And uh, David's been saying, and I think he's right, you know, if we don't abide, we'll never thrive. And unless we, unless we abide, we'll never thrive. And, and by thriving, we mean living the kind of fruitful lives that God wants us to live. It, uh, it requires a certain amount of, uh, uh, of, of energy and effort, for sure. But the, to, to really live the lives that we need to live, uh, that God wants us to live, we need Jesus and we need to be in him. So we start every, every sermon in this series starts with a, a, the passage. We're reading the same passage in John 15, and we're going to read it again today. And I hope that as we read it again, like the previous times, something different will, will come out and speak to you, and uh, that, that you'll kind of deepen this understanding of what Jesus is saying here. And it's a very rich passage, so let's read it together. It's in John chapter 15, and it'll also be up on the board. Board. Screen. <laughs> Working on it. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that, does, that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have remained my, uh, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this: love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. Let's just pray. Lord, I I thank you for this gathering today. I thank you for uh, this invitation you offer us to abide in you, to live our lives in you. I pray, God, that um, as I bring forth forward the aspect I'm bringing forward today, God, that it will change the quality of our relationships with you, that we'll understand you better, that it will provide us with that understanding of you that's necessary to, to live fruitful lives, change our minds about what we can do and who we can be and what kind of lives we can live. Help us believe your truth in this. 
give me the words to present it faithfully. Send your spirit on me, open ears, and prevent us from getting led away by distractions. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I'm focusing in on verse 15. I'm focusing in on the idea of friends. Friends, and, uh, he, Jesus says to his disciples, I no longer call you servants. Instead, I call you friends. And the plan for today is I'm going to kind of go at it in three parts. I'm going to start with talking about, well, what does friends mean, mean to us? What does the word friend, what does, what does friendship mean to us? And uh, that'll be the first part. I, I think, I think it's, a, it's a loaded word. It means a lot. Uh, sometimes you don't really think about all that it means to us and, and what, how significant friendship is. After I do that, I'm going to talk specifically about the passage and exactly try to figure out, you know, what is, what is Jesus telling his disciples here? What, what does he mean by saying, I call you friends? What, what, what does that imply? That'll be like the second part. And the third part, I'm going to try to kind of paint a picture or, or show what living as a friend of Jesus can look like and can feel like. And I'll share a bit of what I've been experiencing, and then I'll also kind of encourage you guys to, to apply this part in our lives. So, so that three parts, I think it's pretty simple, and I'll try to keep, I, I hope I, I, I'm not going to lose any of you in that. It's, it's, I, th- I think, a, I think you'll, you'll enjoy it. I'm, I'm excited to tell you about it. So, friends, who remembers the TV show? <laughs> Fountain, singing song that couldn't get out of your head, no matter you know, how hard you tried. Stephanie's been watching it on Netflix. It's on Netflix. You guys can all go home and watch it if you want. Um, isn't it weird how they always hang out all the time? It's strange. Like they, they, like they, it's kind of like this ideal uh, friendship that they've kind of portrayed. And even, like, even the modern shows like Big Bang Theory, it's pretty much the same thing but with nerds. Like they're, just, they're people that hang out all the time. Like they'll, they'll talk to each other in the morning, they'll, you know, and then they'll do something, not go to work because that's not what they do. And then they come back, and, and, uh, and the same day they'll see the same person again. And they'll say how, and they'll, they'll follow up with what the conversation was before. The jokes will continue, and it and it kind of has like this this long lingering uh, idea of people hanging out, abiding together. In some ways, friends is an image of what abiding could look like. Abiding comes it c- comes with the idea of remaining with someone, doing life with someone, staying with someone, and um, and. In, the, in those TV shows, and even, even our superheroes now have friends that hang out with them all the time. Like, it's, it's one of those, it's no longer like these Lone Ranger things. Everywhere we look in society, we're talking, we have this idea of friends, friendships, people hanging out on a regular basis. Something that we value. And, I, and the truth of the matter is, uh, we abide in friendship. We don't, um, it, it, with the people that we that we have chosen to have be to do life with, we 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 abide. It's the the correct word. It is is that we do life with. We we set up camp with these people, and um, the invitation that Jesus offers to us is for us to abide in Him. And what's what's interesting in this is that um, friends are are different than than family members. They're different than work colleagues. And there, there's a reason that we value it so much. And, and, and I think that the major reason we value it so much is because friendship is optional. Our family, we're born into. We cannot choose our brothers and sisters. They come. In my case, they came multiple times and quickly. Um, but I have, I have five brothers. So I, but, I, but you have your family that you, you have with you. Like they're, they're there. That you, you, you don't choose them. Your work colleagues, unless you're the employer, 
um, your work colleagues are people that are just with you. You didn't choose them. They were placed there with you. You might have had some influence, but, either, but you don't really decide who you work with. Um, your, your neighbors, neither. They, they, they move in next to you, and so be it. Even if they're hedge, they don't like your hedge and complain about it, and or they blow snow onto your yard, it, it, there's nothing we can do about that. They're there. Um, they're neighbors. Friends, though, are optional. You can't choose them. You can choose them. You, can't, you, can't, uh, you, can, you can choose to have them or you can choose not to have them. Uh, and because they're optional, there's a, there's a kind of like a... Um, um, there's kind of like a, 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 an identity issue that comes with it. And this is something that I see on a regular basis in, in my line of work. About twice a week, I have girls about this high come to me crying, saying, they don't want to play with me. Like, well, what do you mean? Well, they, they don't... They, 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 I'm trying to... And I don't understand anymore. But basically, the, the gist of it, after I, I spend time trying to figure it out, is that someone doesn't want to be their friend. And kids are really good at this. They'll go up to someone else and be like, hey, do you want to be my friend? None of you did that at relationship break, I think. Did you, did you shake hands? Hey, let's be friends. I, we don't do that as adults anymore. Kids do that because they've decided that friendship is something they're going to be intentional about, they're going to choose to do. So friendship is intentional, and it's also mutual. You can't, like the, like the kids, you can't, if someone doesn't want to be your friend, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, darling, I can't make them play with you. I, you can't obligate people to play with someone else. You, you can't, you can't it, it, there has to be an element of, of mutualness to it. Um, so that it's intentional, it's mutual, it's optional. We can always opt out. If you wanted to just live in your basement and have no friends, it's, it's doable. I've known people who've done it. It's, it's, not, it's, it's, not, uh, it's not maybe the best way to go about life, but it's, it's doable. So there's, there's three aspects. It's mutual, it's, in, it's, it's optional, and it's intentional. There's three aspects of friendship. And because of this, when friendship doesn't work out, we start asking questions about ourselves. The first thing we... Well, or there's two options. Either we start thinking, if, let's say I was to go to someone and be like, hey, do you want to be my friend, Andrea? And she says, no. The first question, I, the, my first reaction could be, well, what's wrong with that girl? No, that, that if you have a, you know, oh, that possibly, that's, you know, that maybe this is one person that doesn't, not, not interested in me. But if it happens over and over and over and over again, you start thinking, maybe there's something wrong with me. And your whole image of who you are and what you're worth and what you're capable of and what others think about you starts shaping what you believe about yourself. Hey, maybe, maybe there's something wrong with me. Maybe, no, maybe I don't matter at all. Maybe, I, maybe I, no one will even notice if I disappear. These, these questions start coming out as friendships don't form, if friendships don't form. It's also true that friendships can make you feel great. It's my dad's birthday today. Happy birthday, Barry. He, 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 I'm not embarrassing him. He really likes this. Uh, um, he, uh, it's his birthday today, and, and uh, 55, freedom. Um, and uh, and uh, one of the great things about birthdays is that everyone's telling you how great you are, how amazing you are, and, and how, how wonderful you are. My great dad, absolutely fantastic dad. And... Uh, and and when, you, when someone is, is telling you how great you are, if your friends come together around you, you feel valued, you feel, you feel worth, you feel amazing. So friendships have that power to, to, to tr- speak truth about you, to tell you how fantastic you are. It can even, in, in some ways, be a bad thing. I, I have friends who are really, like, I'm, I've met a few people recently who are really into working out. 
like doing the exercise. I'm not even doing it properly like this, I think. I, I don't know. Um, and I don't do the working out thing at all. And uh, they're talking about, you know, how many reps they do. And, 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 my, and I just caught myself saying, well, I have a friend who can bench press 300 pr- pounds. It's true, I do. I have a friend but why, uh, that's very, very strong. But why would I do that? Why would I mention someone else? It doesn't make me any stronger that he can bench press 300 pounds. Why do I, why do I say that? Well, because they seem to be valuing this whole physical exercise thing. I don't know, what to, I don't know how to fit into that. But because I have a friend who does, and he thinks I'm cool, basically what I'm saying to these people is, I have a friend who's really into the things you are, and he likes me, he approves of me. I kind of borrow his approval and put it on myself. And a lot of people collect friends for that reason. They say they have a whole bunch of friends that they can like, borrow their approval from everywhere else, that they really feel good about themselves because they have all these friends who, 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 who will, hey, I don't, maybe I'm not great myself, but I have friends who are great in these things and they think good of me. So I, I'm going to be good. I'm going to think good of me too. But the issue with that is that it's never enough. No matter how many friends we have, no matter how many people think you're great, or, or you know, no matter how many people praise you, it's never going to be enough. We know we all know of particularly like amazingly popular people who've been miserable, and we start thinking to ourselves. Sometimes, hey, I'd, my, I'd, my, I'd really thrive. My life would be really great if my friends were, were, had a bit more time for me or if this person would, would, have, would, be, would spend more time with me or if, or if this person was friendlier with me. Then, then I'd be really good. Then I'd be, I'd be doing amazing. If only, if only I could hang out more with these people, then I, I'd, be, I'd be set. So often, our idea of thriving and abiding is based on our friends, I'm not saying that friends aren't good. I mean, Nick invited me over this afternoon, and I'm super happy that he's invited me over. I'm, and I, I really feel thrilled and privileged to have a friend like Nick. And, uh, and, when, he, and, and when, when he hangs out, I, when I, I, feel, I feel great about myself. But at the same time, I'm not going to base what I feel about myself on Nick. Because eventually, you know, he's not going to be able to hang out with me every day. And eventually, he'll let me down. Everyone eventually lets you down. Instead, I say, God... Thank you for providing me with this friendship. Jesus, you have been so good at providing me with this friendship. I put the credit to the where it's due because Jesus was good to me and provided me with this. So in some ways, yes, friends are good. But there's, there's a, we need a friend that will love at all times. And the only friend who can love at all times is Jesus. And this is where we're going today. Because I think that what we often see God as a master, as a leader, as someone who's ahead of us and above us, but we very rarely see him as the friend that we need. We rarely see Jesus, and we often forget that Jesus wants to be our friend. And that's where we're going to get at now. So part two, Jesus with his disciples, the night he was betrayed, he's, telling, he's, ta- he's surrounded his table with his friends. There's 12 of them there, um, and the, his closest, his closest uh, followers He's around the table with them, and he says this first. He says, um, I no longer call you servants. Instead, I have called you friends. This is significant to them. This means something to them. For one, this is something that the disciples never anticipated. They never expected this. When they signed on to be, when, when, when the rabbi, when the teacher called them to be his disciples, they never expected to be lifted up, 
to the same level as their, as their leader, as their, as their teacher. They never expected that. It was, it was something, and even if they were eventually to be the spiritual leaders like him, they never expected that be, there would be a friend relationship there. This is something that, um, that, that students don't even presume. My students never come to me and say, hey, can we be friends? My 10-year-olds don't think they can be my Facebook friends. They don't, and I don't think they ever should be. But at the same time, like they don't, they don't, they don't. Like I've, I've never had a, fr- a, a, a a student come to me and be like, "Hey, let's hang out this weekend." No, you're going home. <laughs> Your parents get to keep you. Uh, but but um, but occasionally I'll blur the lines a little bit. Like I'll, I'll spend a recess. I'll go out and play soccer with them. And for some reason they love that. Well, obviously their 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 master, their leader, is acting like their friend, is is playing with them. Do you realize that the Lord of the universe wants to be friends with his disciples, wants to play soccer with them, wants to hang out with them? That's a crazy idea. Often we see God in the big things like the gatherings and the prayer times, but God also wants to be there in the play times. And we forget that. Abiding requires all of life, not just the parts of life that are spiritual. Jesus says to his disciples, I've called you friends. And he's the only one who could do that. Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrates his love to us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We see this, this Jesus, we were not capable. We're not at the same level as Jesus. He's the master for sure. We're, we're the servants, but yet he calls us friends and he, can, and he invites us into that. He has made the option available. In verse 16, it says, um, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. He made that choice to be, to be your friend. And then often, and I think this is completely normal too, when someone, if, if per se, at relationship break, someone came up to you and was like, hey, I want to be your friend, the first reflex in our mind is, well, what, does that, what, what do you mean? We need to kind of define the relationship. Jesus redefines relationships here. And, 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 and often we think, well, are, do you, are you serious? You want to be my friend? You, that's because you probably don't know me yet. Jesus actually knows us very well, and he's committed himself to that relationship. He's proven it through the cross that he is um, interested in us. It says in that ver- a couple of verses before, greater love has no one than this, than he lay his life to, for his friends. And when he's saying this, he's saying that the day before his betrayal, crucifixion, and death. So he's about to do this. He's like, I'm showing you I'm serious about friendship here. I've committed, I'm committed to this friendship. I, Jesus is 100% committed. And because of that, we know that he's intentional. At the beginning, friendship was mutual, intentional, and optional. He's intentional. He's chosen us. He t- he's exercised an option. But he's so intentional to the point where his life will be laid down to make us his friends. There was sin to separate us from, from God. We could not be friends with Jesus without that sin problem being removed, and the cross does that. He's done that exercise. He's did those steps to be our friend. So because he did that, um, our, li- our, our, our lives can be different. He, he, and we have no longer any reason to doubt that he wants us. Because I think that's one of the major obstacles in our hearts is we often think, I, you don't, you, if he really knew what's going on in here, if he really knew what I was capable of, 
he wouldn't want anything to do with this. That's not true. God wants all of you, everything. Jesus is very intentional about being your friend. And finally, and this is where a lot of us will pull back, Jesus wants the friendship to be mutual. He calls us, Jesus commits, to, commits himself to our friendship, but he also commands us to live a certain way. And that way is, is love. He wants us to love one another. He, to his disciples, he says, this is my command that you love one another, that you love each other. He says it over and over and over again. And over the past in the series, we've talked about aligning ourselves into a life of love. And we see that that's what his plan is for us, that he wants us to um, live in this life of love. And, and often our first reaction to this is, well, friends don't command. You know, we go back into that master-servant mode. You know, like um, a, a master will give you, a boss will give you orders. But, uh, but uh, uh, a friend, well, he doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't tell you what to do. That's not true. Friends tell us what to do all the time. Call us up, hey, help me move. Call you up, hey, come hang out. They'll, they'll, give, you, they'll, they'll give you commands. They'll, give you, they'll tell you, do, you need to do this. And because that person is your friend, you'll say, yes, I'll do that. I mean, how often have you given up something or done something that you probably wouldn't have done had you not a friend asked you to do it? And yet, so Jesus asks us to live a life of love, to lay down our lives like he did in love for others. And it's a command. But often when we push back to that, it's because our first response is, well, I don't know. Really? I don't know what that's going to mean. I don't know if I have the time. I have to, I have to talk to my wife first. I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know is, is the first reaction. But you know what? I've intentionally left out a part of that verse. If we look at that verse in, in verse 15, I no, longer, um, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. The disciples know his business. They can't say, well, I don't know. And it's the disciples, you don't see the disciples push back here and say, oh, I'm not so sure about this. Jesus has no hidden agenda. And I think this is important. Jesus commands his disciples to live a certain way, but the disciples know what that implies because everything that God, Jesus had learned from the Father, he told them. So, so Jesus has, has let them know everything. He knows you're going to do this. You're going to live a certain way, and this is where it's going to lead. You are going to live a, a fruitful life. You're going to thrive if you follow these commands. Do this. It's like if a friend, like, uh, um, you have a friend who's really good at automotive repair. If he tells you to do something with your car, you do it because he knows what he's talking about. Jesus knows how to do life. And he's invited you, he's commanded you, and he tells you, I, I'll, I've made it known to you. He's not hiding back. He's not holding back cards. We've all been to that friend who's, or been that friend who's been like, oh, well, come over and uh, help me move. But then you find out he has like three pianos and a giant staircase, and it's going to take you two days to do this because it's such a big job. Um, and, oh, he has to leave because he has something else planned. Like we've, 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 we've been that friend, and we've had that. But, but you know, that, that, is, that is a lot of, um, that's what we're worried about when God, Jesus asks us to lay down our lives is because we think, well, I don't know. I'm not sure. But Jesus wants to make, to let you know. He wants to lead you from the intimacy of a relationship into a full life of following him. 
And that's significant, I think. And the cool thing about this is because it's mutual, Jesus is going to ask anything of you. He wants to ask whatever of you. He wants to command your life, your complete life, but he also wants you to ask anything of him. And in that same passage, in, in, in the passage we're talking about abiding, in verse 7, it says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. You see there's an element of mutual friendship here. He is your friend. You can ask him anything in his name. In his name, meaning for, in his, in, for, for your good, and it will be given to you. And then verse 16, then my father will give you whatever you ask in my name. So you really see that God is committed to, the, the Old Testament word is a covenant relationship, a relationship where it's mutual to the point where Jesus will ask anything of you, but you, you, but you're in a, you can ask anything of him. That's the, kind, that's the quality, the nature of the abiding relationship he wants with you. So three things. Jesus calls us his friends. Jesus proves to us. He commits himself to that friendship. Then he commands you from the intimacy of, what you, of, of his friendship to live a certain way. So how do we live? Third part. We're going to get to it. How, what would a life following Jesus look like? I think uh, I, have a, I, have, I have a chart up here. I think that an uh, that, that, oh, interesting way to look at it is, is in this little chart here. You, uh, kind of like one of these T-quadrant graph things. If you look at that top corner, you have the idea of a friend. I think a friend has two elements here. and uh, G, The friendship Jesus wants with us has these two elements built in. He's going to invite us. He's going to call us into his friendship. But he's also going to challenge us to live a certain way. And a friend of Jesus will have both of those built into their friendship. It'll be mutual. We'll, we'll follow and respond to that challenge. And we'll also understand the unconditional aspect of his invitation. We'll understand that no matter what, he's still our friend. He's committed to us. And, and friends know this. And, they, and, and people that have this relationship with Jesus, this kind of relationship with Jesus, feel the friendship of Jesus. And they know it and they're confident in it. And it allows them to, to live a certain way and, and, to, and to love a certain way. Now, I'm worried, and I think this is true, that a lot of us are in the lower quadrant here, the, the employee. We see God as our master, but we don't see him as our friend. And this is something that I think a lot of the church is stuck in. How many of you, let's, by raising your hand, how many of you have helped someone move over a weekend sometime? All right. Now, my, my parents did it like every weekend for a long time. Um, <laughs> And um, how many of you have had to work weekends because your boss made you work a weekend? Where is your heart in both those situations? If it's a move for a friend, it's a lot of hard work. You're going to work hard, but it's going to be a party. You're going to enjoy it. You're going to love it. If you're doing it for a boss, you're going to hate it. You're going to think of what what you could be doing instead. Your heart attitude is not going to be there. I think a lot of us, our service to others and our love for others fits in that employee relationship. We serve God because he's our master and we want to know what the, work, what the benefits will be. We want to know what the, what the extra hours are, what, what, our, what, our, what our salary is going to be. Are we able to take time off elsewhere? What's in it for me? First reaction because we're, we, we, we see God as an employee. But God wants to be our friend. We need to re-understand that God is not doing it 
They're not asking us to do these things out of a sense of duty or obligation. And if we're in that quadrant, if we feel that we're an employee of the kingdom instead of a part of the kingdom, if we don't feel like a friend of Jesus, then we need to change our mentality. We need to understand that Jesus wants to be our friend. And in that service and in that action, he wants to show you himself. And he wants you to enjoy it and you to be with him in it. Some other people in this group are like that neighbor. And I put the, the, the quotation marks because I kind of thought of like the Homer Simpson image. You know, the Homer Simpson, Ned Flanders idea of Homer Simpson goes over, borrows something, never gives it back. Ned's like, hey, how's it going? And, and just kind of like shunned and ignored. I think a lot of us are, he, you know, Homer's convinced that Ned is a fantastic neighbor. And a lot of us are convinced that Jesus is fantastic for us. He's great. He loves us unconditionally. But we don't have that mutual friendship with Jesus because all we do is get and get and get. We've never had that abiding friendship with Jesus because we, we, we're not ready to follow it up with a life of service and love of, for others. We're that neighbor. We get from God. We get from God. We get from God. But because we never give, we don't really know who Jesus is. Ned and Homer are never really friends. They're neighbors. One's very good to the other unconditionally, but they're never really friends. And if we want to have a friendship with Jesus, part of it, a huge part of it is to go out and live a life of love. If we don't do that, we always will remain in that quadrant, all invitation, but no challenge. And we won't really know the the beauty of, of abiding in a real friendship with Jesus. And um, some of us don't know the invitation and don't know the challenge, and we're still strangers to who Jesus is. And if you're there, get to know who Jesus is. He's amazing. <laughs> there's, there's not much I can say more than that. Like, you'll see as he calls you into this beautiful relationship where the king of the universe, the one who reigns forever, is ready to be your friend. It's a beautiful place to be, and it's worth every minute. It will cost you everything, but it's worth it. It's worth it. I can tell you from experience that it's an amazing place to be. I know I'm saying, talking about my, my experience. I mean, for me, it's been, part of it is, I've been trying to work really hard at reminding myself to be a friend with Jesus. I try to start my mornings with that first thought, God, you love me. Remind me of that. Remind me that you want to be my friend. And to do that, I've had to, I've had to make steps. I, I, you know, I, I, in the mornings, uh, my, my, my routine looks like I get up in the morning, I get ready, I read my Bible a little bit, but then the minute I get to the bus stop, all the way to the point I get to work, that, that, that whole commute, if I'm driving in, it's, I make sure the radio is off, but that whole commute to, on my way to work is where I, have to, I start with God, remind me that you love me. How, show, how do you love me? Show me? Remind me of all the good things you've done in my life. And that, and that attitude of starting with that. And then I go pray for other things, but I, I really want to start by remind me, having God remind me of the kind of friend he wants for me, he wants me to be, and the kind of friend he is to me. And that reminder fuels my day. And often I'll forget it, and I'll have to do it later in the day. And, and part of abiding is learning how to, to keep that foremost in my mind. Who is Jesus? He wants to be my friend. And that's been incredible. And then the second part's even, it's even more beautiful. It's, I've I've been, me and Stephanie have been working at trying to live it out in community and, and try to um, 
help others whenever we can and, and bless others and love others and, and make our lives all about serving and loving others. And sometimes, like, the response we get is, well, you, you don't really have to do this. Uh, we know that you're really busy. You have three kids. You shouldn't, you shouldn't have to help. You, 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 should be, you shouldn't have to help us out like this. But we love to. Whenever we help and serve others, whenever we can give someone a meal, whenever we can have them over, I just feel the friendship of Jesus in that moment. And it's awesome. It's awesome to really feel that I'm working alongside Jesus to bless someone and to show them the love of God. And it gives me such joy because really, it makes me feel like I'm complete. Like for that moment while I'm doing that, I feel the full presence of God. And it shapes my week to come, my month to come, and just makes me want to do it even more. And there's a beauty in living a life for Jesus, and there's an abiding strength in in realizing that he's our friend. Well, we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Well, your friends are still strangers, shovel their driveway. Well, they hardly know you. Offer them a meal. Well, they are mean to you. Bless them. Make your life all about serving others and you will find a glorious friend in Jesus because that's what he's busy doing. You'll get to know that. Jesus said this to his disciples on the day he was betrayed. And um, we're going to be kind of transitioning into communion. And I'm going to invite the musicians to come up. And on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he shared a meal with his friends. And he invites us in our communion, in our time of, of uh, in, our, in our gatherings to stop and eat, to remind us that Jesus is our friend and he wants to eat with us. You've shared a meal. You, some of our best meals, our best times with our friends is when we eat together. Jesus wants to eat together with you today. And uh, we're going we're to do the Lord's Supper. And as we do this, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop it at one point, and we'll, we'll, we'll take the bread and we'll take the wine together. Um, and, uh, but I want us to think of who Jesus is to us. I want us to think of that question. How is, ask that question, how is my friendship with Jesus today? Do I really feel like Jesus is my friend? Have I ever really got that? Or have I forgotten? And as you take that bread, think of that night where Jesus took that bread and broke it and offered it to his friends and said to them, You are my friends. Do this to remember me.